This episode of Didn't I Just Feed You is sponsored by By Heart. Longtime listeners know that Stacy and I both struggled with infant feeding stages with all our kids. Breastfeeding was hard, and choosing a formula was, well, also hard. We're thrilled to be working with By Heart, an infant nutrition company on a mission to make the best formula in the world. Not only is By Heart an easy-to-digest formula, their formula is also clinically proven for easier digestion, less spit-up, and softer poops versus leading infant formula. By Heart has their own patented protein blend that includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio, just like in early breast milk, which is tailor-made for a newborn's digestive system. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code D-I-J-F-Y for a limited time. That's byheart.com slash podcast and code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You. Additional terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The way that I think about my kitchen was I basically looked in my kitchen and I was like, no one taught me how to use this thing. No one taught me how to stock a pantry. No one really told me what that was. They just had a pantry or I saw pantries around, but there was no kind of like framework of like, you're actually supposed to have the building blocks of a meal. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You? A podcast about feeding us kids. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stacy, how are you this week? I'm I'm good. It's getting really, really nice here in New York. You're starting to feel like spring. Yes, I am so ready for it. Although we have had a ton of rain in Boise. Really? I like I love rainy days. Do you? Yeah. I also feel like, especially when it's a rainy weekend, oh my gosh, this is going to be my nerd showing. I love, like, I feel like it's an excuse when it rains in the spring to stay inside and organize the house. Ah. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, do you do that? No. No. <laughs> I think maybe because, I don't know. I mean, it does sound cozy and nice. Um that seems very Scorpio of you. I feel like I needed to say that. That's like, fine. It is my like introvert replenishing. Yeah, I'm like, like an I, extroverted I introvert. Love sunny summer days. Like I want to go to the beach. <laughs> well, so that's the thing is like when it's nice in the spring, I feel like we have to be outside. Like yeah. it is. It is an oblig. We have an obligation to springtime to be outside when it is nice. So when it's rainy, I'm like, cool. I can stay inside and do the things I'm not going to have time to do this summer. Yes. I actually, I can relate to that feeling. And I love that on work days. Yeah. Because then I don't feel bad being inside and working and being productive. I think the challenge for me on weekends is that if I didn't have the boys, that would feel really good and I could relate. But both boys together, or even if I just have Oliver, who's just so, has so much energy. Yeah. 
I just like staying home all day, even when it sounds like a great idea, nine times out of 10, by like three o'clock, everything falls apart. Like it's just really, really hard being home all day with him. Just can't do it. He's like a puppy. He needs to be walked. (laughs) With just Isaac, he can. I do actually understand that. And I will say on the days where we stay home and clean – in the morning, we'd go to our YMCA in the afternoon to let yeah. the kids swim and, like, burn off that energy. Yes. Because, yes, we do have to get out of the house on a weekend at some point. Yeah. And someone just – we just started T-ball, but you guys also had baseball start up this past yes, week. Yes. It's the cutest it's thing It's so ever. cute. I can't even deal with how cute they all look in their uniforms. So we've got baseball going. We're back to like being totally crazy with sports. Yeah. Then Isaac has flag football with school. And then for him, basketball season actually goes all the way through till June. And he's on travel basketball now. So this past weekend, we had to go back and forth to New Jersey, both Saturday and Sunday (laughs) for three different games. Oh, my gosh. You have all the sports balls. We do. We have all the balls. (laughs) All the balls. It's like our meatball recipe. I mean, our meatball episode. Yeah. Um, And I have to say, speaking of basketball, you showed your nerdy self with the rain and the organizing. I'm going to show my nerdy self that may surprise some of our listeners. I'm going to show a new side to myself. After all these episodes, what, we're like 36 episodes in? 30, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right? I think so. I'm a huge basketball NBA fan. You are. I am. I love the NBA. I love basketball. I'm slowly but surely becoming a college basketball fan, too, because of Isaac. But anyway, I don't know that much about uh, the NCAA or college ball yet. But last night was Dwayne Wade's last home game. So Dwayne Wade is a huge NBA player. I also like the interpersonal relationships. He's really good friends with LeBron James. I believe Ooh. they were in the same draft class. Okay. Anyway, great point guard. He's on the Miami Heat. He started on the Miami Heat. Then um, he left for a while to play with LeBron. And then he went back to the Miami Heat, I think. Anyway, uh, he's also married to Gabby Union, who yes. I love. And she is just on the cover of Parents. Yes, that's yeah, right. With their daughter. Yes, right? that's yeah. right. They have a new daughter. And I was just watching a video. Like, there's tons of stuff that they put together for him last night. But all about his career. And they interviewed Shaq and LeBron and all these people about, like, how, like, he really has become one of the greats. and. It just had this wonderful through line that really became about this idea of home and how Miami is home, but how he had to leave to go, you know, play with LeBron. He got drafted in Miami, but then he left and then he came back and now he's retiring in Miami. And these days, so many NBA players are just because of the way that the rules work and the cap salaries and all that, I'm probably using my terminology all wrong, by the way. I'm like, I don't even know. Go with it, I know, I know. I am. I'm just <laughs> pretending like I sound right. But who knows? I'm sure there's someone listening going like, what? You'll is have this to get the boys about? to like preview this no, recording. The, uh, they'll, they'll laugh and They'll just cringe, me. right? They'll yes. be like, mom. But anyway, they're like players are constantly moving around and he's like, a little bit of this old school, like he's retiring on this team that he started with. 
Yeah. And so they pull in this through line of like home and what it means to be home, like to have a home city, to have a home base. You know, is home really like, does it have to mean where you start? Does it have to be like the players that you're with, the coaches that you start with? You know, and I actually thought that this was like a very poignant thing to watch right before getting on with you to talk about today's guest. Yes. And right? Will, you'll have to link to the video in the show notes. I we will. We can definitely. all watch it. But we have a wonderful interview with Ro. She's one half of the minimalist duo Brown Kids. Um, and our we start – we like originally brought her on to sort of talk about creating less waste at home – um, as we go into Earth Day and talking about, you know, how we can treat our environment better, especially as parents, I feel like this is kind of a sticky subject because there's already so much pressure on us to, you know, pack lunches and pack snacks and be involved in bake sales for PTA. And like all of those things create some waste if we're if we're doing them in a way that, makes our life easy, right? Like we're using a lot of single-use plastics or there's food waste uh, around those. And the conversation with Ro was like very helpful to me to create clarity. And she talks a little bit about like how they're, they don't really consider themselves minimalist. Like that's not a label that they've given themselves. They just got like a lot of clarity on what their values are and then focused there so I'll I'll introduce her and we can dive right in, actually. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. I also love this idea that for them, and if you go to their Instagram, they're just at Brown Kids. Yes. And their Instagram is one, beautiful. Oh, their gorgeous. stories are beautiful. And they're the kind of people who like, they're not, they share when they want to share. It's very genuine. It is. And and their whole thing is about home and what it means to be at home to have freedom at home, financial freedom, emotional freedom, whether you're living in a big space, a small space, if you're a minimalist, if you're a maximalist. And they just recently were talking about how they live on the East Coast, but they're, are they both from the West Coast? I think so. Or is so. just Roe originally? That's my understanding. Yeah. Maybe E's from the Midwest? Yeah, I don't remember exactly yeah. where E's from. Roe is from the West Coast and talking about how now they're moving towards trying to be bi-coastal. Yeah. But in this way that still affords them a financial freedom and isn't about collecting things. Right. But also they're still minimalists. Yeah. And so- I just love how they think about this idea of home and things and only having what you need, but having them be useful and beautiful. And she was so smart in the way that she helped us apply all of those concepts and all of that thinking to the kitchen and the family kitchen in particular was really, really exciting and interesting. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Ro is one half of the minimalist duo Brown Kids. She and her partner E have grown a tremendous following through sharing their experiences with minimalism and mindful eating via Instagram and are the creators of the money and time-saving jar method. Ro has been featured in Black Girl, Ohm, Veg News, Goop, Black Minimalist, Pop Sugar, and more. I recently described myself as a maximalist. And I got on Instagram stories with my 12-year-old son, and I was like, I'm a maximalist, but I, 
I really only mean it about certain things because actually it's not about like having a lot of things. And I started to kind of, I don't know, I won't say wax poetic, but just talk about how I'm not really a maximalist. I don't really need a lot of things. And he rolled his eyes so hard at me, <laughs> like in only a way that a tween can, and was like, oh, lady, you do not know yourself. And he like- He really called you out on it. Oh, he, he was like, no, mom. Me out hard. Okay. Just with his facial expressions. Oh, yeah. No, but then he used his words. He's, he's a- okay. uh, He loves to talk. Um, so, bro, I want you to talk to us about minimalism, how you feel about the word, the label, what it means to you. Yeah, no, I mean, I, so this whole concept of maximalism has just been introduced and I've been like following all of the design trends and like design (laughs) trends to pay attention to for 2019, you know, like all of those articles that are coming out and they're saying like minimalism is out and maximalism (laughs) is in. And I'm like, what is maximalism, right? So like I go in and I do a little bit of searching about it. And then I just had a really sweet young girl um, send me a DM and she was like, hi, I'm doing a school report. And like, I want to know, you know, have some questions about minimalism. Would you ask them? Would you answer them? So I answer them. And the first question is like, how would you describe your minimalist style. And I was like, my minimalist, like I'm a maximalist minimalist, period, just all the way. So what I understand about maximalism is that maximalism comes from the concept of more is more, okay? And then there, it's supposed to be like contrasted with minimalism, which is less is more. And the way that people write about them, they write about them as rivals. <laughs> and I think, think to myself, and I was like, no, this is totally me. And it's totally me. And I don't know if this is just because I'm a Leo <gasps> or I'm the daughter of a Leo. Like we're born on the same day. My mom, it, one is a shopping addict, but two is all all about like detailed glamour, color, like all of these types of things. And the way that I've organized my life is that to manage my own shopping addiction and to take care of myself, I make sure that I have enough for myself where I don't get overwhelmed and I don't do things that are financially irresponsible and hurtful for myself or my family. But when it comes to selecting my things, I'm like detail, like color, glam, like all of the things. The only difference is I just have less of those things. But if I own something, it is like all the detail, all the, you know, sort of intricacy and all of the quality. So really what I've done is I've given myself permission to go all out on the few things that I own. And it's not like quote unquote few things. I don't count or anything like that. But I just, I don't, like, I don't understand the concept that like quote unquote minimalism can't be about an incredible amount of detail. It can't be about, you know, sort of like a gilded nature or even, you know, pattern. It just doesn't make sense to me to me, my definition of minimalism really is informed by Fumio Sasaki, which I've come to summarize over the year, which is minimalism is the lifelong practice of prioritizing what is meaningful to you and making that the center. And that's it. Okay. I had my microphone on mute because I've been like jumping up and down and flailing my arms (laughs) because you put to words how I feel. 
And FYI, I'm a Leo too. Hey, you know, it's like we can't <laughs> scrimp, you know? It's got to be good. It's got to be fabulous. I don't understand how fabulous can be contrary to any kind of minimalism. Like, I just think that to me, minimalism means intentionality. So when like people label me a minimalist and they invite me on because of my minimalism, I don't even relate to the word, <laughs> you know? Like, I uh, see my life as like I live intentionally. And whatever comes to me in my intentional living, is something that is great to me. You know what I mean? So I only spend money on those things. That's all. That's all. I feel that so hard. (laughs) Megan, how do you feel about this? I think that's really empowering, especially for parents who probably feel an overwhelm as like minimalism and maximalism is sort of pushed on us. And especially when it comes to like our kids' clothing and our kids' clothes and what we have in our kitchen. So this idea that It is a lifelong pursuit and it's all about like choosing what's important to you. Like Stacey is more of a fashionista than I am. So she's like very invested in clothes and fabulousness in her life. Um, Whereas like I'm going to invest my time, my money and my kitchen space and my home space to like having more sprinkles and Mm -hmm. having more art supplies. Um, And I think there's something really freeing about this idea that it's not about minimalism or maximum. Maximism. 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 (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That it's really about like prioritizing what's important to you in your home. Totally. 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 Absolutely. And it also has nothing to do with color. I know a lot of people who come to my space and we can be talking about clothes and we can definitely be talking about the kitchen where they're like, oh, I can't be minimalist because I like red. (laughs) sitting there like scratching my head and I'm like great (laughs) you know or like I can't be a minimalist because like I have an under uh cover love for chartreuse and I'm like that sounds fabulous also that's not in any way a rule of minimalism no it has nothing to do with color it has nothing to do with any of those things so yeah I feel like do you boo and have enough that it doesn't drive you crazy that's all that's all have enough where it doesn't drive you crazy. For us, our minimalism is about financial freedom. So something that doesn't cause you or put you in a place where you're inflicting emotional or financial violence on yourself. I love that. And for me, it's about financial freedom. It's about everything having a purpose in your home and having a place because I I work from home and I spend so much time in my space. I literally cannot think when things are cluttered or out of place. So things just really need to have a space that makes sense. And if there isn't a space for it, no matter how beautiful it is, it just doesn't belong to mm-hmm. me. It can't belong to me. Mm-hmm. Like it just, <laughs> you know, it just, it won't make me happy in the long run. Right. But I love this idea of, financial freedom. And I think a lot of people lose track of that, especially in the kitchen. I just don't think that people, because it's food and we can talk about appliances and tools and equipping your kitchen, but especially ingredients and their weekly shopping and especially Forget about the pantry for one minute, but thinking about perishables Mm -hmm. because they turn over so quickly. I don't think people keep track of how much money they're spending, not just on what they take out of their pocket at the supermarket, but then what they're throwing in the garbage. Oh, yeah, totally. And how that is literally throwing money away. 
and the impact that that has on the bottom line of their budget and what they're spending is huge and how that has ripple effects through their overall budget Mm -hmm. and how that can impact like for me if I want to buy a fabulous pair of shoes (laughs) on the line (laughs) later you know like it all ties together like what matters to you and where do you want to be spending your money so can you talk a little bit about that and how you kind of tie how you spend your money in the kitchen and how you think about your approach to, let's just use the word minimalism as a kind of placeholder because mm-hmm. it's easy for now in the kitchen. Yeah. How I think about... Or you can put another yeah, word to I can, it. How we think about minimalism in the kitchen. I love what you were saying because there's a few things there and I feel like they're all so rich, which is like, we don't even know how much we're spending and it's okay that we don't know. I mean, especially with moms, like we're overwhelmed and our children are hungry all the time. We're like uh-huh. constantly feeding them or we're struggling to feed our families because I have tons of um, mothers in my community who are now feeding multi-diet households. So yeah. like they're yes. vegan or pescatarian or plant-based. Their husband is keto um, or paleo and their child is an extremely picky eater, you know. And so they're trying to figure out how to feed everyone. And so they're feeding multiple meals and they go out and they buy them and they shop by the week or by the day or every other three days or or et cetera. And so it's impossible to sit down and track. But also at the same time, many of our moms are so responsible with family budgets, right? So we're feeling really pressed with our money. But it also feels like the immutable category. It feels like we pay our mortgage or our rent, and then next is food. <laughs> um, and it's Absolutely. not, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, we have to. It's like those, the, it's the category in our mind where we're like, we just have to spend that much. It's a resigned kind of feeling. And sure, we want to figure out how to be more budget-friendly or whatever, all of this kind of stuff. But it comes to the, the fact where we're asking ourselves, how do we spend less money on the things that we're eating necessarily, but you're still cooking the same amounts and in many kind of instances, we're throwing away the same amounts. So the way that I think about my kitchen was I basically looked in my kitchen and I was like, no one taught me how to use this thing. No one taught me how to stock a pantry. No one really told me what that was. They just had a pantry or I saw pantries around, but there was no kind of like framework of like, you're actually supposed to have the building blocks of a meal. And I didn't know what a building block of a meal was. And when it came to sort of appliances and tools and that kind of stuff, I just thought I was supposed to have some stuff. It wasn't like, no, these are the key things you need to do in order to prep the building blocks of a meal, (laughs) you know? And so, and then the last part when it came to our refrigerator um, and all of the things that we were throwing out. So we were in a financial situation where I had tons of personal debt because I have a shopping addiction. And so I had spent $10,000, $11,000 on my credit card in a matter of, I don't know, maybe like months. And it ballooned and I never had a credit card before. And I had a job that wasn't working for me. I was being underpaid and I was being paid $19,000 a year in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is just like unheard of. And so I looked at my partner and I across from ourselves and I was like, hey, we need to, what can we do to free ourselves? And instead of thinking like, oh, I need to get a better job where I can make more money because I had really low sense of self-worth and esteem, my logic took me to like, well, what if I decrease all of our expenses? And so we sat down together and we looked at our food category and was like, this food category is out of control, but how do we get around it? How do we hack it? So 
we decided to tackle it, I decided to just get obsessive about food storage, obsessive about um, food in general and how to keep it and how to preserve it and all of the things in the kitchen to support ourselves and, you know, stumbled upon a way to keep fresh vegetables from three days to lasting three weeks. Really, with just using the things that you had in your kitchen and understanding what vegetables need. And it transformed um, our kitchen. And what I really realized is that a few things happened. So one, I only buy what I eat. I know that sounds really, it sounds stupidly simple in a way. You're like, yeah, 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 Ro, you only buy what you eat. But what I found in lots of the conversations with my moms and lots of conversations with my own community is that oftentimes we'll go to the store and we'll buy what we think we'll eat or we'll buy what we think our kids will eat, or we'll buy what we think our husbands will eat, or we buy the things that we think we should have. Say, for instance, kale or salads or all of those different types of things without a true kind of inventory of like, row, what's actually the foods that make you happy? And I'll be straight up honest, I don't like cold food, y'all. I don't like it. I like all my food cooked. <laughs> so why would I continue to go to the store and buy like all these bags of mixed greens? Well, it's because I'm shopping for my aspirational self. I'm thinking to myself, I'm a mom and I want to feed my kids healthy things and I want to have smoothies and all of these different kinds of things. And so I go and I buy all of the things that I think that I'm going to eat. And the truth of the matter is I don't eat those things. And so they go bad really, really, really fast. So one, it's like a pre-planning of like taking an audit of like, yo, what do you eat? And like, how do you prefer to eat it? And how do your kids prefer to eat it? And let's stop buying all of the things that we think that we should eat because it's just a waste. And it doesn't just happen to moms. It happens to students all the time and it happens to singles all the time. We're all experiencing the same problem. The other thing is I stock my food like a salad bar right? So instead of thinking in, in terms of like me- meals per se, I have like little plans for those. I think about my fresh produce as if I would walk into a buffet. What is so like freeing about going into like Whole Foods or any kind of buffet when they were big back in the day is like you could make whatever you wanted, but Whole Foods is just so super expensive and it's, you know, way cheaper to eat at home. So I took the concept and I applied it to my refrigerator. So I stock my refrigerators if it was a salad bar and I use the jar method, which I'm sure we'll talk about early, uh, later. Um, to hold all of those things. And in that way, because I have everything in my refrigerator right before my eyes and everything is cut up for me, not only can I make something super quick and easy, my food lasts longer. And I've had many parents who say this works for my kids because they can just reach in and grab what they want. Um, And you can make a a plethora of different kinds of things. So, and then I think the overall thing is I, the things in my kitchen, I don't have the things in my kitchen that don't pull weight. So I grew up in an African-American family and African-American family from a particular generation. My parents are much older. And so they came from like, they just call themselves old school, right? And so you were not a child. You were a member of the household. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like from the time I was three, my mom was telling me like everyone has their part. And yes. so in the same way, I have no grace for anything in my kitchen that isn't doing its work. Like I didn't know that you really only needed three knives. <laughs> you know, like I was thinking, yes. oh, I need, I need to buy the knife block. And that's how they sell them. They sell them yeah. as a knife block. So you go to Crate and Barrel and you buy the knife block, but you only use three knives, period. 
And the same goes with tools and the same goes with the things in our closet. The things that we don't wear often, the things we don't use in our kitchen often are not pulling their weight. They're taking up space and they make us unnecessarily indecisive. So I clear away all of those things that aren't pulling their weight and I only have what I need because it's the most practical thing to do in my life and it's the kindest thing that I can do for myself in my kitchen. So that's like the whole philosophy around it. It's so rich. I could talk about this forever, but I'll stop there. I want to go back to this idea that we cook for our aspirational selves. (laughs) That really, really resonates with me. And it's something that I touched on in my first cookbook, Make It Easy, too, because the first chapters are about how you make it easy on yourself before I even got to the recipes and the concept of like mixing and matching and how to get to the healthiest store-bought shortcuts when you can't cook entirely from scratch. And I talk about, you know, picky eaters and I talk about meal planning, you know, and I give tips if you're really, really not a meal planner. But I also like have this moment where I'm like, listen, you need to sit down with yourself (laughs) and start being honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you really like to eat? How are you really going to cook? Because you keep clipping recipes and recipes and recipes and recipes and recipes. And then a month later, a week later, you're clipping more recipes mm-hmm. and you still are saying to yourself, I don't know what to cook. I don't know what to cook. Right. <laughs> and I know this because I've been in this industry and I've been trying to help you busy cooks for a really, really long time. And I hear it over and over and over. And I think you hit the nail right on the head, that people are constantly, especially cooks who are super busy or who don't cook frequently enough and aren't like really in a groove and really know themselves well, they are like, okay, I'm going to do this. They sit down, they look at a magazine and they're like, that looks delicious. And then they have this idea that like, okay, if I'm going to cook, I'm going to cook something that looks totally amazing and delicious. Mm -hmm. And that's not realistic that you're going to jump in and you're going to start with a seared steak salad with a fennel slaw and, you know, this, that, and the other necessary. Actually, that you might, because that's actually super easy to <laughs> Anyway. Delicious. You know. Um, Ro, I do Whatever you, it might be. Do I do want you to talk a little bit about the jar method, because I think it's sort of revolutionary when it comes to kitchen storage, and especially yeah. for parents who feel overwhelmed by either, like, waste in their kitchen or like having fresh produce and spending their money and their time prepping it and then wanting it to last as long as possible. And some of our listeners might not be familiar with it. So tell us about the jar method. Yeah, we can do. Yeah, we can chat both. So one, I think like aspirational eating affects us all. And it's all because we want to feel really great about ourselves. And so the impulse and the inclination is like just no judgment there. Like it super happens. And it can be what I what do I say? I was like, actual eating is like beneficial and aspirational eating is treacherous. You know, it's like you can choose to jump into that into that cliff, but it might cost you a lot of money on the way. And so yeah. to be take a really honest inventory. No, not only take an, an honest inventory, but give yourself permission to admit yes. how much time you have and give yourself permission to like what you like. Period. And so if you are buying delicata squashes and butternut squashes and spaghetti squashes and, you know, like things that require roasting because you like them sometimes because they're comforting or you've heard that they're really good, you also 
can triangulate that with how much time you have. So if you've got an hour commute when you get home and or like you're just coming home from soccer practice and the kids are super hungry, yeah, you're going to be in a stress zone because the only thing you've got on top of your counter is a butternut squash, which needs to be cut and roasted. And that's going to take 30 to 40 minutes, right? So like no longer buy those things that take time. So the the majority of your shopping list is the actual eating and then use aspirational eating for times for holidays, right? So when you've given yourself permission to three or four days or two days to prepare for a thing and you have a, you've, you've given, you have an environment for longer cooking, then try and roast those things. So experiment with aspirational things on the side, but don't make them your main and they will transform the way that you shop. Absolutely. And also actual eating will mean that you're going to have more successes, Absolutely. which means you're going to cook more, Absolutely. which means you're going to become more skilled more quickly. And then you're going to be able to start to level up. Absolutely. And then what was once aspirational becomes actual. Exactly. Because it's really just this, like Julia Tertian says it beautifully. It's like this really complicated puzzle that you begin to put together. That's what she says that cooking is. But if you know how to boil water, then you know how to use soba. Like you know how to create soba noodles. You know how to poach something. You know, you know, there's, there's a hundred things you can do off of one simple thing. So actual eating allows us to build our intuitive cooking, which I think is what our foremothers had that we don't have, which puts us in a stress position. So you're actually on a skill of mastery when you commit to actual eating. And then aspirational eating is when you have your experimentation and you can take your cooking to the next level or you can try and invent new things, especially if you like being creative in your kitchen. But put it in that box and don't give yourself any expectations to put it in the center because it's not kind to our money and it's not kind to our minds. Speaking about the jar method, so basically, I love like when I find a problem, I get obsessive about a problem and I need to research everything. So, when I tell you I've researched everything about food storage, I'm still researching everything about food storage. Um, and one thing that clicked in my brain during this time was I was reading Edna Lewis's Pursuit of Flavor. Edna Lewis mm-hmm. is a renowned, notable, um, and legendary anthropological chef of the South who brought mm-hmm. Southern cooking up and elevated it and 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 helped people notice what it was. She is a, a, a feature um, and an icon in African-American history. So I highly recommend any of the cookbooks by Edna Lewis. And Edna Lewis, in this book that she wrote in 1988 makes this brief mention where she's talking about storing a particular thing in a glass thing because it works better than these newfangled plastic things that have been coming out. So I was like, what? You know, I was like, there might be something to that. And I looked at my refrigerator, which is like your standard rental fridge. It's terrible. And I don't have the money to replace it (laughs) and I can't replace it. So I was like, well, what if I use glass, but if I use jars, because that would be the most efficient way to put, you know, to have all of my things together. <laughs> so I had gone to Ian, I looked at him and I said, hey, we're shopping by the month. And he was like, er? And, he, and I was like, yeah, and we're storing all of our things in glass. And he was like, er? And, you know, because all these things were were so odd. And it was also spending way more money than we would on any one shopping trip. And he thought like he was about to mutiny. You could see it on his face. He was like at Berkeley Bowl with me looking at me and he was like, what? What are we doing? But I, we got home, I prepped the food as per the research and I chopped up my kale. 
I made sure that there was no moisture inside because moisture is a huge issue. And I put a plastic top on the top of it and I put it in my refrigerator. And what I found over a month's time is that is that it lasted. <laughs> you know, like we're throwing away our fresh greens three to four days. So all of us find ourselves rushing over any fresh thing that we buy. And instead of lasting three days, it lasts three weeks. And that simple change changed and transformed the way that we experienced our kitchen, which was the two of us, by not tracking our money at all, we spent $415 each on food. And that includes going grocery shopping every week and eating out and all of those kinds of things. That's like $800, right, between the both of us. Wow. In that month when we implemented the jar method across all of these different types of vegetables, we spent a total of $315. What Whoa. does that mean? That means that we saved $500 the first time that we used the jar method. What does that mean? That means we saved $6,000 that year on grocery shopping alone. So why I'm so passionate about this for mothers is because especially if we're trying to take our kids to Disneyland, especially if we're trying to become financially free, when we take seriously this notion and and sort of be intentional about uh, storage, we up the ante of what we have, the financial resources we have, and we can actually make movements for our own liberation. You know, like we have the jar method. There, there's a link to it. I'm, I'm sure we'll share it here. But here's something Definitely. that you can do moms right now, something that you can implement right now. I'll give you a tip. So any kind of berry, any kind of berry, that's strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, um, and even grapes. I, I do my grapes this way. I want you to take a large bowl. I want you to fill it with water. It doesn't really matter uh, the temperature, but I put cold. And then I want you to throw your all of your berries in there. And then I want you to pour two tablespoons of vinegar. Um, mix it around. I want you to uh, keep it for 15 minutes or let it soak for 15 minutes. You can. I'm sometimes I'm lazy and I let it do longer, but sometimes your berries can get waterlogged. Drain your berries and your berries are ready to go. Instead of your berries only lasting you about you know two to three days, they should last you about a week and a half. And that's if your kids don't eat them all <laughs> because they most oh likely gosh. will. And what we did there is we killed the, the live and natural mold that is on the berries when they arrive. Okay. And so what the vinegar rinse does, of course, when you, you know, pour the water out and then you rinse them and you rinse away the vinegar, they're not going to have that vinegar taste, but you have elongated their life. So you can go ahead and take them and put them in small little Pyrex containers, or if you're still using plastic, you can put them in a snack drawer that's designated in your refrigerator. And it's super easy to pull those things out and put those in kids' lunches or when the kids are coming home and they're like, mom, snack you know, there's a drawer for them and they're it filled in them as fresh berries and strawberries. That way you don't have to resort to um, frozen berries mm-hmm. um, that you put in the freezer, which I recommend for the winter anyway, because I think nature is smart in the fact that she only um, gives us certain kinds of vegetables a certain types of year. But at, when it's berry season, do that to your berries, mom, do that to your grapes, and it's going to keep them. It's going to make them last. So that's, that's some of the stuff that's in the, the jar method. And we'll absolutely link to the jar method in the show notes for this episode. 
So is do you give a class on the jar method? Yeah, because so I had never any intention of creating anything. I just shared the information that I just shared with you and my community went nuts. You know, like yeah. they were like, please write an ebook. And I was like, oh, and I tried. And then I was like, this is not gonna work. And also, so many of my people were moms and so many people were busy. And I was like, you actually don't have time. So instead of it, like, because we don't have a website or anything like that, the quickest way that I could get all of the information to my community because they wanted it so badly, like clamoring down the door, was for me to make a little class on it. And so I put all of the information, because it's really a revolution of the way that you're thinking about shopping, all the way to the end product of like, hey, dinner's on the table. Um, And so it's a 90-minute class, and it just transforms. Like, it's transformed people's kitchens. It's transformed people's wallets. Moms email me all the time, and they're like, I love this because now it's a new ritual that I have in my kitchen, whereas after we go grocery shopping, because everybody helps, my little ones love putting things in jars. And like they have taken it on as their responsibility to pack things, put them in jars, and store them in the refrigerator. So it's really like a collective experience as well, um, sort of like a cultural piece that adds a layer to the meaningfulness of our times together. I love this. And so do you feel like this has been the biggest mindset shift for yourself in creating a more earth-friendly kitchen? Or did this really, I mean, it sounds to me like this come from searching for more financial freedom. Or like, how did those two things dovetail for you? Yeah, what's the relationship between the two? Yeah. I think, um, so the question that I'm hearing is like, did this change your mindset about being environmentally friendly? Um, And it seemed like what I was hearing from you was that it actually came from financial liberation and are there relationships between the two? For me, the entry point was financial freedom, but... Because I've done my work in international development, um, you know, I've like lived the nonprofit life. I've been not paid money for a long time. (laughs) Um, You know, like you, when you're out there on the field, you're really, really understanding the impacts of what's happening in people's lives, the impacts around food security, but also the preciousness of land and the earth. So to say that like, yeah, it was financially motivated would be to be dishonest about where I came from. And the and um, where I came from was I had a kind of notion of like oh this like sustainability thing has something to it and especially in the instance of like going to East Africa and just seeing more like all of our donations from Goodwill that we just give away they end up mm-hmm. in East Africa right like there's more prom dresses there than you can possibly imagine there's more shoes there than you possibly ever imagine more than any of the people could buy. And it's like depressed their economic market. And so there, I realized then a few years before this had happened, maybe like six years or so, that like there's an, there's an impact on the choices that we're making. So to me, there is an intersection in my mind, which is to, in, in my life, when I started being more intentional about the things that were in my home and I made sure that there was things in my house that only pulled their weight and I made sure that those things were beautiful so I can enjoy them allowed me to be a more, uh, a better steward of my f- finances and in a better position to be straight in the direction of self-belonging and self-ownership. And then at the same time, there's like way less waste because like you don't have 
all of these gadgets and things that we only use sometimes or that are really difficult to use. And there's way less waste in my refrigerator because it came out of an inspiration of like, no, I, <laughs> I want to feel responsible over my money and I want to feel empowered over my money and I want to be free. And as a black person, that's just like a transform, like it's a revolutionary thing to say. But the result off of that is that, oh, like there's also a whole lot less stuff I throw away in the trash, you know? Yeah. Like I, I have solved my own food waste problem and all of the things that I use, there's like next to no plastic involved. So it is inadvertently zero waste, you know? And so there, all of these things are connected and they're holistic and they're, whole, they're powerful. And it really starts with this one little seed, which is like, what would it look like if I lived an intentional life? That's no stress, you know? I think that's very powerful because I also think it it divorces judgment of each other in our choices. You know, this idea that being earth friendly or being environmentally aware is tied to particular choices, driving a particular kind of car, wearing particular <laughs> right. kinds of clothes, eating a particular kind of diet, um, as opposed to all of us living an intentional life that suits our own personal needs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm, I don't have to make choices that look like your choices, but that my choices are intentional. So that means I'm only spending money on quality things that I know I won't be tossing in a year or two. There are things that are, you know, heirloom quality or what have you, you know, that I can keep forever, that I can hopefully even pass down so that they don't end up in a landfill, that I'm, you know, not, you know, I don't have, I'm not creating tons of food waste, totally. et cetera. Totally. Then- all the rest of the pieces kind of just fall into place, They right? fall into place for your own life. And, you know, so for Megan, it's buying sparkles, you know? Right, like, right. And, and no judgment about sparkles and mm -hmm. paints and crafts because that's her household and, and the decisions that she makes in her kitchen and those kinds of things. But all of her choices reflect this is what my family eats and how we like to eat them. And these are the things that help us store the things that our family eats the best and the longest because it's a responsible use of my money and it's going to allow us to really bloom if we want to make other decisions, especially if it means buying more sparkles. So to, to me, it's, it's a very like self-contained but joyful ecosystem that you're building, designing, and crafting. And it doesn't require any more work than it does for all of the amazing work you're doing to be fantastic mothers every day. I mean, that's just my opinion on it. I love it. My heart is full. Okay. I have one more practical question before we walk away, which is we're hearing like and reading a lot about, you know, plastic straws and paper cups. If you were to ask like each household to implement one change, is it plastic straws or is it single-use plastics like zip-top bags or is it using fewer like takeaway containers? What would be your like goal for our listeners oh, if they were man. to change one thing? Oh, man. I know. Um, you just said – you just like we went poetically about so... how it's a personal ecosystem. But you yeah. can have a wish. You can have a wish for all of us. <laughs> you know, my big wish really is for us to get rid of the plastic in our 
refrigerators. I feel like that's going to be the most transformative thing for you and is going to be the what you need to make your considerations um, about the other things. And I say jars for our, or like glass really is the point for your refrigerators because it preserves your things longer and you'll have them longer. And let me see, I would say, I think if I would add anything on that, it would be not the beeswax papers, but there's these really great linen covers that you can buy for your open bowls, things that you have like that. Yeah, I have um, those. That you can, I love those. Yeah, I, I love those. I would, you can buy them on Etsy. A book that I would recommend that mothers can use or home cooks can use is I really loved Remodelistas, an organized home book. Um, I think it gives you a really great blueprint of how you can uh transform the inside of your fridge and start from there. Because to me, like, yes, plaques straws are so important, you know. And I also personally struggle about how to remember to bring my copper straws with me. And I have copper straws. So I would never make a recommendation that I haven't done myself. I'm not just, I'm not going to speculate about that. Um, and I also think takeout trays as well. I also think that when you transfer to glass in your refrigerators, um, that you'll eat out far less and it'll be, you know, you'll just have less takeout containers by right. So of that, that's what I'd say. What would you say? Does, and do you have any zero waste tips that have really worked for you that you would recommend? I mean, to the be one honest, thing. I feel like it's a str- it's still a struggle for me. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, it's hard to make a bit – like if you already have a stocked kitchen, it's hard to make a big transition from like maybe plastic that has been handed down or you've like just collected from doing quick grocery store runs where you're like, oh, I need plastic containers for this meal prep to having like all of the aspirational – like OXO and Pyrex glass containers that we see everywhere. I love this idea that you can go and buy like a set of ball jars and that can transform your kitchen because I think that's really accessible for a lot of people. For me right now, I'm working on the plastic bags. So having more like silicone stasher stasher style bags that I'm not constantly throwing away plastic bags, especially with how many snacks come out of my kitchen. <laughs> like yeah. it could be a lot. Yeah, it um, can be a lot. Those things are a lot. And, pa- you know, packing lunches every day. I feel like I still struggle with remembering my cup and remembering my reusable straw. And so it's nice to hear that re- it, what we're doing starting at home is actually the most important thing because it has a lot more impact than just saving us money. It has like bigger environmental impact because we're not throwing plastics away and we're not wasting food that someone spent their time and their body growing and producing and and the waste that comes along with also like shipping food to where it needs to go and all of the other bigger picture environmental impact that groceries have. How about you, Stacey? Can you think of one thing? Yeah, I mean it's really hard. I, yeah, I know. when my when my it's so hard. This question so is so hard. hard. But when my little one, who's now nine, turned I think like four, I just went on a rampage and I got rid of all the plastic plates, cups, and storage containers. And I went to you know Target or something, and I bought like two big sets of the like OXO glass storage containers. Because I just like, I just had a moment. I was like reorganizing the kitchen. I was like, I'm done with this. But 
my next thing is also just like Megan, I feel terrible about the um, plastic baggies. And I also feel terrible about the paper towels. Mm-hmm. I'm a paper towel Didn't even talk person. about paper towels. Oh, my yeah. God. So hard. I've yeah. tried with the towels and like I'm just a neat freak and I also have – so, so, so much laundry already. Yeah. Like laundry stresses me out so much. It's like never ending. And my kids are nine and 12. So they're like Isaac's clothes. He's as big as me. Yeah. It's like full size. It doesn't feel small anymore. (laughs) It's oppressive. Like his sweatshirts and his sweatpants. I'm like, ah, like this is, these are real clothes. (laughs) It's too many of them. And it's, you know, and he helps fold, but I'm kind of a neat freak, and like I, I end up refolding everything because he does an awful Aaron job. Does Aaron does too. My yeah. partner does too. My partner refolds <laughs> everything I fold. It's like it's, okay, I can't. Here you go. I can't. And I'm like, my husband's like, why are you doing that? It's his closet in his room. You never have to see it. I'm like, it's just very stressful. Like, have you seen a messy twelve year old boy fold his clothes? It's horrible. So I don't know. Like, it's the But I know there are other solutions now that are really good. I just have to like get my – I got to get my stuff together. Yeah, I think the paper towel thing is really about a kitchen setup thing. But I also think it has to do with understanding what to use paper towels for and what to use rags for. And I don't think that we have a clarity on that. Just straight up. And I'm not saying I do. I mean like I also get confused where I was like, what What am I supposed to use a paper towel for? And all of the ads are like everything. And I'm like, so everything. You know, it's like if I spill it, I need a paper towel. If I have grease on the stove, I need a paper towel. You know, it's like I I have – felt confused and I had like a terrible boyfriend in the past. I won't speak his name, but he had a clear understanding about when to use a paper towel and when to use a a cloth towel. His mom had taught him that. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. (sighs) Yeah. Um, And he said, I'll just use like uh, a broken clock can be a right twice. Is that right? Twice a day? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So what he says about paper towels, or he did at the time, was paper towels are for really, really nasty things. Like if it's just food things, like if it's um, a spill or if it's water or if it's that kind of thing, um, to use a cloth towel for that. And you can never have enough cotton towels. And that does go in the wash. So it's like, oh, more wash. But paper towels in his family was used for really nasty things like grease. Yes. Right? That's like not supposed to go in water anyway because it's not water soluble. Yep. And I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I've just had a difficult time implementing it. But I like – I basically, I need to do more research about it, guys. And I'm going to because I feel like you're the hero. Because I'm obsessed with it. Because I love it. (laughs) The next class will be the paper – cloth, cotton method in addition to the jar method, right? Because, <laughs> Ro, you're gonna, you, you are the person who's, like, going to do the research and find the best method for us. I just believe it. I, I, I believe want it to too. Be, I want to be 100%. Like, nothing gives me more joy. <laughs> I like you're seriously Nothing. my hero. I'm obsessed. Yes. And we feel your joy and it's contagious. So thank it you so is. much for being with us today and talking with us about this. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so sad to say goodbye. This was awesome. Okay, so we recorded this interview with Ro a few weeks ago, and I've had some time to really digest our conversation. And one of the things I find is that 
our conversation with Roe really has helped me dial in like what are the things I'm going to spend money on in the kitchen and what are the things I'm just not going to worry about. And personally, I found that it's also helped me like use fewer single-use plastics. And my yes. husband's on board too. And coming from this idea of like, listen, if we buy one reusable zip top bag, we can use it for a year. We can use it forever, essentially, versus buying one box of snack bags, zip top, like throwaway bags that we're going to burn through in a month and then we're going to have to buy again. So I'm curious, Stacey, do you feel like our conversation with Ro influenced your kitchen or your, your thoughts around minimalism? I know you consider yourself a maximalist. Yeah, I think that's a great question. So this whole season has really sent me on a little bit of a like self-discovery because we started with Budget Mom and, you know, I was still very much in a like post-renovation mindset, like save as yeah. much money as possible. And I tend to get, be really extreme. It's very Leo of me, you know, for, <laughs> to swing from one extreme to the other. And I was like, budget, 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 like no waste. And I got really hardcore. And then I was starting to feel very like stressed and pressured about it. Because <laughs> I like yeah. to like, because I like to do everything really well. You know, I'm like a good student. <laughs> and like I was being a little too intense about it, probably. Um, Stacy, you intense? I know, right? <laughs> and then, um, you know, I feel like from there now, after our conversation with Ro, the biggest thing I took away was to just like take a step back, let myself be me, <laughs> and to really, like you said, allow myself to like spend money and indulge on the things that matter to me and then to be more rigorous on the things that don't and to really focus my energy there because that's where I'm going to make the most difference. Yeah. And it's like not exhausting yourself. It's like everything with exercise, with politics. Like if you try to attack it all at once, you're just going to get so incredibly exhausted. So just focus on one or two things where you can really make a difference and be diligent about those things. Then once they become a habit, then, you know, take on one or two more things. So for me, I'm really focusing on plastic bags like you and paper towels. Ooh. Okay. We have to do, we have to do an Instagram story and share how you're using fewer paper towels Ugh. because this is an area really I would really like to improve on. Um, and I'll share my favorite like reusable plastic bags and also beeswax paper, you know, kind of like the covers that you can yep. use instead of plastic wrap um, because I have a couple sources, including Trader Joe's, where they're really cheap. So I can share those if you'll share about paper oh, towels. that's great because the beeswax stuff can be really expensive online. Yeah. And some of the expensive stuff is worth it and some of it is not. Great. <laughs> I'll say more in stories. We'll do them at Didn't I Just Feed You? But we can also share on our personal Stacey's at Stacey Billis. And I am at Stir and Scribble. Excellent. All right. Because we also right. want to hear what you guys are doing for Earth yes. Day. And just pick one or two things. Or maybe let your kid decide. I always feel like that's really helpful too when the kids or the other people in the family are engaged instead of it always coming from us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
Honestly, they're so much better at it. They're so much more aware. They are, right? (laughs) And like when we're the catalyst, that means then we have to like enforce and remind and it becomes, it becomes more emotional labor. Yes. And we say down with that. Down (laughs) with it. Like let the kids decide what they want to do to like improve or, you know, or make one thing more eco-friendly or reduce waste in the kitchen in one way. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Okay, Stacy, do you have a top three food emojis before we go? For okay, this so week? I have no idea what this is about, but whatever. I don't know. The donut, the slice of cake, and then I actually don't know what this is, but you know the skewer with the three little, like the pink, the white, and the green? Yeah, I think it's a mochi of yeah, some right? kind. Yeah. Sometimes I decide it's like little melon balls, like watermelon, yeah, honeydew, and can- a candy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sometimes it's candy to me. Sometimes it's ice cream. Sometimes it's fruit. I Yeah. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> um, my top three this week were the little like tulip flowers. Oh. The egg in a frying pan and the coffee. It's like it's a coffee cup. Um, I think this is because we started our farmer's market tradition nice. up this week. Although it rained, it. we like went to the first day of farmer's market and we got poured on and we rode our bikes. Ugh. Um, So that was Did wild. Did the kids complain? Yeah. Ella was like, okay, so <laughs> I'm, I know we're trying to wrap it up here, but I will say we have a, an electric bike with two seats on the back, which is a whole nother story about how my husband has like a really cool – bike with like a leather seat and it's like very hipster and then like I have the bike that's like the minivan of bikes so (laughs) when we ride in the rain I act as a shield for the kids so I'm like riding up the hill to our house because we live up on um like an elevated area in Boise I'm like riding the hill in the rain blocking the wind and rain and Ella's like pulling we're pulling into the garage and Ella's like I'm frozen my hands are frozen meanwhile she's like under a blanket (laughs) with her jacket on i'm like soaking wet and they're both dry both the kids are dry anyways where was brian brian was behind us he was soaked too but you know oh he still looks cooler doing it than i do like this is a trap you did this to me on purpose you get to look like the cool cool dad Uh, And I'm like the geeky mom. It's fine. It's totally fine. (laughs) It's totally fine. Hashtag not. Not. And on that note, (laughs) find us as did I just feed you on Instagram and Facebook, where you can also join our private listeners group where we can bitch and moan about things. And we do. Our husband's getting the cooler bike. Our partners, I should say. Yeah, I will say there are there are some dads in our um, listeners group, so don't feel like it's exclusive to moms. And actually, even a few single people, single people, same sex couples, all are welcome. Um, The answer to the secret question is whiskey. Most importantly, subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You So Don't miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, tell your friends about us and leave us a review on iTunes. We read every single review. We send them to each other. We love them. Love them. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. A huge thank you to our editors, Jeremy Enns, Samantha Gatsik, and the team at Counterweight Creative. I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Thanks for listening. 
Don't forget to smash all five stars on iTunes and subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding us kids and families. What's the grossest thing you've ever eaten? Uh, well, um, oh, a fish eyeball. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.